Saga Studios presents Game Master Saga. Game Master Saga, where we talk about all the stuff Game Masters have to do to get a game ready for the players. Hopefully with my 15 plus years experience, I can help you find shortcuts and new ways to prep your table and wow your players while making it look effortless. In this episode, I'm going to be discussing the things you can do to bring your world to life. Um, so number two on my list is materials and tabletop accessories. While some of these things aren't necessary, some of these things I consider to be absolutely necessary. And for my table, all of these things, or at least a variation of these things I'm gonna go over are absolutely necessary. So number one, pen and paper. I don't care what it is, if it is a notebook, if it's a notes um, app on a phone, whatever it is, you need pen and paper or, or some sort of way to keep information together and organized. Um, so this information is going to be the stuff like we talked about last time, your little story points, your plot hooks, your all of these things, your history, your world, your descriptions of things, because without good descriptions of things, your players are going to be lost. So if you're playing on a budget, and there's the real one, a lot of people worry about the budget idea. You're playing on a budget. Pen and paper might be the way for you, right? Um, maybe you're not sure if you want to put the time and effort and money into it, um, but you still want to play and you want to find out. Get graph paper. You can draw maps on graph paper. I mean, you can get a notebook like this with 100 pages in it for three bucks. Um, and you can draw your maps on your graph paper. You can have scale because of the graph. Each square is five feet. And you can at least give your players an idea of what they are getting into what the dungeon looks like what the world looks like what uh, this castle looks like on the inside and how far it is from here to there because that matters especially if you're going to do more theater of the mind than anything theater of the mind's great unless you don't have an idea of where you are or the space you're in so if you don't have any kind of image at all you have to describe that world perfectly and you have to depend on your players to remember that description perfectly because if you walk into a room say you walk in and the room is 60 feet wide by 70 feet long and you have a spellcaster that has a range of 30 feet they're like i walk into the room and they don't remember the distances they're like um you said there was a guy in the back yeah it's like yeah it's like all right i want to cast a spell at him what's the range on it well, um, it's, uh, it says 30 feet. Well, you're, you're just in, into the, to the room. So you're like 60 feet away from him. And, the, and it's going to get very frustrating for your players because they're going to be like, well, well, I don't know that. I can't see that. I, you know, I'm, I'm in the room. Uh, uh maybe I, I walked into the room 40 feet. So now I'm 30 feet away from him. And there's the problem. So if you have an idea, so get you some graph paper. You can draw pencil marks on it to give an idea of where people are, put initials in one of the graph marks, you know, or, or one of the graph squares. Um, 
that's a really, really easy budget way to handle this problem. Another thing you can do that's uh, fairly cheap, uh, it costs about, mm, I'd say, I think I got mine for 19 something on Amazon, but it's a kit. It is a modular map system. It's dry erase. They're double-sided, one's uh, all white with squares, and then the other side looks like old map paper. And it comes with a few accessories that you can add in, but it's dry erase. So you can actually lay out a nice one-inch grid system and draw your stuff on there so people have an idea of what they're looking at. We used this system for a long time and I went to my driveway, got rocks, got into my wife's nail polish, painted them up all different colors and that's how we did it. I had red rocks for bad guys and then I had different color for each of my players. Since they couldn't differentiate just looking at them who they were, they needed a color code. And we played a game for a long time like that. It was very good. But that all kind of comes down to descriptions and things like that. How are you describing that world? Right. Um, dungeon tiles. Um, I have a few examples here. So these are dungeon tiles. Uh, this is made out of cardboard from work. Um, and it has a layer of cardboard with hot glued on. Uh, this is a foam core board. So uh, get this for school projects and stuff like that peel the paper off of it you can mark into it you can press into it there's a lot of videos on youtube black magic craft does some good stuff um trying to think dm scotty does some good stuff uh but there there are a lot of different uh ways to do this everybody's got something different i've got my way um this is a template that i took from black magic craft and i made this tower um, it actually has the stairs and all of that and with multiple pieces of this you can build a really large tower and you can Just interchange them for different floors. Um, I eventually plan to put a wood on the back of it, but this is cardboard and These are individually cut out little pieces of cardboard that are all glued on here. This is a Passion project for sure, and I don't think I ever want to do it again like this, but it works um, other things that you can do for terrain is things like this little guy right here. So while I was at the dollar store one day, I found a little bag of dinosaurs um, and it had these little rock things with stairs in them. So yeah, picked that up, it was a dollar for the whole bag. There were two of these, a couple of other things I was able to use like for cave walls and stuff. Brought these home, painted them, uh, dry brushed them and made them look a lot better than they were because they were originally that color on the inside But now they kind of look like this really nice stone staircase that leads up to this rock pedestal And as long as you describe it properly, it works Other things that you can do to add like more 3d dimension. This is literally cardboard cardboard covered over in hot glue and Then painted up to look like a cave entrance. It's not fancy and that's the thing. It doesn't have to be fancy it depends on how you describe it. So if we're looking at what I've got here monetarily, um, I paid a dollar for the plastic bits from the Dollar Tree. I paid probably $5 for the different colors of paint you saw. Um, the cardboard I got for free. The hot glue, we'll say another probably $2 worth of hot glue. But in either case, for under $10, um, I've put together all of this stuff. Now, there's the thing. It was cheap to produce, but it took time, a lot of time. This tower that I showed you, that tower took uh, countless nights of me when I would get off work. I would come home, um, 
because I used to work nights. I work days now, but I used to work nights. I would get home two in the morning and I would spend an hour, two hours. And it took me about three weeks to actually cut out all of the little bits and bobs and put it all together slowly piecing it together here and there and of course I was watching TV and I wasn't just like focused on it right because I'm tired I just got off work but a lot of time involved in some of this now my dungeon tile set uh, so these these here I've got six inch squares I've got three inch squares and then I've got three by six um, I think we have 18 of these 18 of these and maybe 12 of the six by threes um, I put these together in the course of about probably 12 hours total worth of work. Um, but I spent some just, man, hammering through it hard, hard, hard work, um, to get them all done. And it was very tedious, but I wanted them done for a game I was running and, you know, motivation, right? Um, all that being said, let's move on from that kind of stuff because you can you can do it cheap like this or you can order 3D printed, um, beautiful, beautiful 3D printed tiles from uh, Dwarven Forge or anyone else online who is actually selling stuff because there's a true tile system. There's all kinds of 3D printed tiles that you can get. They're expensive, but a lot less work. All you got to do is paint them and in some cases you can even get them painted. So. It depends on how much money you want to put into it, how much effort you want to put into it, or how much time and effort and money you actually have. You may just be able to do the dry waste board. That was 20 bucks, and it works perfectly. There's no problem with it. You may just be able to do graph paper. That's three bucks. That covers your whole system, graph paper and a pencil. Good to go. Um, next up, though, I want to talk about tokens, pawns, miniatures. And we talked about tokens a little bit with my dry erase. We had tokens, it was painted rocks. That works, and it worked very well for my team um, that I was playing with. It worked for nearly a year before I decided to do something more. When I decided to do something more, I looked into miniatures and I couldn't afford them. So I went with this. Now this is um, shrinky ink paper, and if you were born in the 80s and 90s, you know what this stuff is. You may know what it is if you, were, if you uh, grew up later than that, but what this is is a plastic sheet you can draw on it, you can color it in, and then you put it in the oven and it shrinks. So these shrink, um, I wanna say about two thirds to three quarters. So I draw my stuff in a four inch by two and a half inch square and I get stuff like this. Um, and all of these minis y'all have seen in Dice Saga. Um, and I can make a bunch of them and that's the real key you can make tons and tons and tons of them but everyone's like oh well you can only have the small ones or you can only have as big as just one sheet of that paper not so um, if you've seen the last episode of Dice Saga that came out you will have seen this guy this is made up of four sheets of that paper and some hot glue and some uh, ingenuity so you can make very nice, very large 3D things. And I could have made this even bigger if I wanted, you know, I could have made it out of six to eight sheets of that paper. And you're looking at, uh, it's about a buck 50 a page for that paper. So, you know, this guy, he's a little more on the pricey range, but with these smaller guys, I can get 10 of those out of one sheet of that paper, eight to 10, depending on their size. So you're looking at 
you know, a buck fifty for eight to ten miniatures. That's not bad, and that's what you're gonna have the most of anyway. So this guy costing like seven bucks is not that big of a deal when I have a good section of about four to five hundred miniatures, right? That I was able to make for about forty bucks. So it's one of those kind of things where it's like, mm, it's yeah, it's a buck fifty a page, but you can get a lot out of that page. So colored pencils, uh, a good sharpie pen, um, the really fine point ones that you can actually get in there with, you can make some really nice stuff. On the offset, you can get some inexpensive stuff like these. This is uh, from Paizo. Paizo produces these, and they are great. This is a what is called a pawn, and you can get pawn collections from them. Um, there are different kinds. These are for Starfinder, but um, you buy these bases and you get essentially a book or a booklet with these in them. And you can pop these out, you stick them in, you're good to go, you have your miniature. Um, that being said, you can buy miniatures. You can buy 3D printed miniatures, you can buy pre-cast miniatures, you can buy all of those things. And they get more and more expensive as you go on. But these right here, this is about $25 for 250 uh, different things, you know. So it's, it's one of those things, if you want really customizable stuff, you can do stuff like this, like I do. Um, if you want really specific stuff, uh, you can do things like these. If you're just looking to get into something so that you don't have to do anything and you have a little bit of money, you can buy miniature kits uh, that have a bunch of miniatures and then you just, you know, you're good to go. You can buy them painted, you can buy them unpainted. Um, now mind you, all of this stuff, it's great. It's not necessary. Um, what I would always say is to remember uh, your number one rule is story. Um, this is my number two. It is probably the second most important thing that I do to run my games. And I think my games run very well like this uh, because I can put these things on the table and then I can describe what it actually looks like. But you have floor, you have all of these things to look at and know what you're trying to do. So for me, this is key, right? Like this is how I do it. All of that being said, if this stuff fails, go back to your story find a way to tie into your story and get these people invested in your game. This stuff is going to help, but you need to make sure, okay? None of this is necessary, but if you're gonna do graph paper, or if you're gonna do something, make sure they can know your world. Uh, some of the best games I ever played were on graph paper with four people sharing one set of dice. Um, they were the, some of the best games I played, some of the most fun games I played, and we would literally just put an initial in, in the little graph square of where you were, and we'd have to erase it, and we'd have to move, and it was, it was tedious, but it was so much fun, and a lot of it had to do with the description of the world. Um, when you're describing the world, first, make sure they know what they're seeing, that they can take that in. Give them a description they can picture. Then, describe sounds stuff they can hear. If you have to describe it, describe it. If you can make the sound, make the sound that they're hearing. Um, describe smells, stuff that they can identify. So let's say you're walking through a hellscape. Um, you might say brimstone and no one at your table's ever smelled brimstone. That's kind of a problem. So it's like, oh, brimstone, okay, yeah. Well, 
like I know what that smells like. Most everybody has smelled a rotten egg when they walk in. Look in, you feel the oppressive heat on your face. You look through the hellscape before you. You see magma pools and you see fire shooting up from cracks in the ground. The rock itself is blackened with soot. You smell the deep, odorous smell of rotten eggs and ash and rotting bodies. You hear screams in the distance of people being tormented that paints a picture that people can see but it doesn't just paint what they can see because people operate off of sight hearing smell and all these things and you put these things in someone's head and they start to imagine and now everyone at your table has a different picture by the way they're all looking at something different because one of them glommed onto this one of them glommed onto that one of them glommed onto this so they all have a different picture in the head that's why the materials are helpful so you can do it all with description but I would suggest using some sort of material or tabletop accessory to help you along. So, all that being said, I think you've got this. If you do good descriptions like that, it's not going to matter what kind of materials you're using. You're going to have your players in the palm of your hand. So, on the next episode, we're going to talk about the number three on the thing on the list, the big three, um, and it's going to be plot hooks and ways to involve your players in your world. So, that being said, we're going to get to this plot hook. The small village your players come from is suffering from a wretched blight. The oracle has cast the bones and says that the exact number of players you have, wink wink, right, must go and find a way to save their home. All those who go must not be warriors already. Have your players create characters that are coming of age. All they have left to do in this coming of age process is to prove themselves by entering a large cave and bringing back the head of one of the large lizards that lives there. When they return, get them on their journey to save what's left of their village. So you've got a really nice opening uh, quest to send these, these young people on, right? They're trying to prove themselves. But you can tie this into, you know, your main, your main campaign. Oh, what is your main campaign? Figuring out where the blight's coming from, right? Um, this plot hook can be used uh, for one shot or to kick off your campaign. Feel free to use and change it to suit your needs. Always remember, you can do it and keep telling stories. Till next time. Game Master Saga is a Saga Studios production.